It's not even done yet. Is this something you want the public to know? No. Are we recording? Oh, fuck, we are recording. <laughs> no, don't put that in. Yeah, we won't put that. <laughs> well. Mm. Oh, man. Oh. Matcha. Wow. Did I tell you that matcha in Russian means urine? <laughs> I was so glad that you didn't tell me that until now. Yeah. But now I can't unhear it. It's pronounced matcha. Ah. But yeah, matcha is urine. I can't unthink it. <laughs> you've, you've enlightened me. I'm smarter now. There's Get closer. Golden wisdom. That uh, let's put this. Here. I want to lean back. Yeah, then lean. Yeah, the mic back. lean back. And that's why these things are movable, is so that we can have the more comfortable living yeah. room environment that is. We match. We match. We got exactly the same color shirt. We got gray pants gray and pa both wearing both Adams. Shoes. Adam's Thank shoes. You, Adams for sending Whoa. us these shoes. We didn't plan this. We didn't. No, we didn't. When you say it like that, it sounds like we actually did. No, we didn't. I said we didn't plan <laughs> I know, it. And but I you meant said we it didn't in a way. We certainly did not plan this. We most. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Marshall, what I kind of forgot. Oh, yeah, conventions. No, before we get into. <laughs> My mind's all over the place. I've it had is. too much urine. I mean, matcha. Uh, yeah, matcha. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what question do you have for me, Stan? My question is, what have you been up to? Well, we haven't even done the intro yet. Oh, yeah. hi, everybody. Oh, hi. that's right. We're here. Draftsman Podcast. Uh, I'm Marshall Vandruff. I'm Stan Prokopenko. We are the Draftsman Podcast. <laughs> We're the hosts. We're the... Uh, but we are. It's true. Well, actually, no, we aren't. No, there's a whole team. There's a whole it. team. That's right. Yeah. What am I thinking? Boy, I was getting a little bit egotistical yeah, there. Watch this it. This is our thing. <laughs> this is how you I lose people. I repent of it. Brandon, Charlie, everyone else involved. We're sorry. Repent. Yeah. You're sorry. <laughs> I was apologizing for you. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you interrupted. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man. He totally interrupted us. He's just like, screw this. I'm playing the intro. Here we go. Take that. All right, Marshall, what have you been up to? I have been, I've been sitting and having lunch with you. It's been great. Yeah, we had a fun lunch. It's unusual. Is, you know, we used to nobody have. Nobody cares about this. We had so many we conversations. We got a lot of comments about people caring about food. Really? Uh, discussions oh, yeah. In, the, in one of the episodes. Oh, because you eat only yogurt. No, I and don't that's... eat Well, only people were yogurt. saying they wanted to know more. <laughs> they want to know more. I, I ate an apple <laughs> yesterday. You're not helping your case. I know. <laughs> you like that. You secretly like this attention. <laughs> if you want people to ask you about your food, I love my food. I want everybody to know about it. I'll pretend like I don't want them to, and they will be aching to know every detail. Well, you just gave away your plan. It was, well, yeah. Who knows whether I just spoke the truth or not? Yeah. Where were we? We're going to do a, an episode on conventions. We both just recently came back from Lightbox Expo. Mm -hmm. I've only done Comic-Con and Lightbox. Those are the only two conventions I've ever been to. Okay. So should I list my conventions? And yeah. this Actually, I've been like to SIGGRAPH. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah, a tech SIGGRAPH. one? Is that what? Yeah. yeah. That was a long... I was in high school. What, what year? I don't know. This was like 2000. For. Yeah, I, I went to SIGGRAPH a couple times right around then, too. Oh. Boy, SIGGRAPH was a big deal. Yeah, is it not anymore? Yeah, it's a bigger deal now. Oh, That's, it is. I, yeah, I don't go to it. I, I think it's... Do you know whether SIGGRAPH is a big deal anymore? Yeah. 
I think it Seagrass is. Seagrass is still a big deal. Yeah. Okay. There are so many conventions. Oh, yeah. And there didn't used to be. And I went to the Comic-Con when it was a convention that was in the hotel in a little basement. And it was, it was genuinely a Comic-Con. All yeah. it was was people selling comics. Oh. And then it moved to the convention center. I don't even know what year, but I know I've been going to it for over 35 years. So they were only selling comic books. It was a were comic convention. There? Yes, they would okay. have artists come that were famous artists, and so it was. It was okay. Really so they small. were doing more than just selling comics. They were, that's right. That's right. They were doing more, but okay. I mean, it was all about comics. All now comics. the Comic Con is not about comics. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's about just media. pop culture. Yeah, pop culture. and the comics are relegated to the little side alleys that are where oh. the only place I hang around at the Comic Con anymore. Small press. Artist Alley, that area. Yeah. I try to avoid the inside, but I'm already whining about the Comic-Con and we haven't even started. <laughs> what else uh, do you else? hate about conventions? Oh, uh, well, if we get on the Comic-Con, that could take up the whole episode. Really? Yeah. Well, fine. Then let's get on this. Um, have you ever had a booth? Yeah. What was your experience? Had a booth from 2007 to 2010. So there were four years that I did a booth with the Carbon Canyon Studios guys and it was like a highlight of my life because it was a chance to hang out with them and it was like our vacation together uh but in spite of it being a highlight it was the four years that i didn't even see the comic-con because everything was about the booth and right. they were extremely crowded years they were some of the most crowded years i've ever seen the more than now to get from one side of the convention center to the other because we had to do that we were staying in the marriott tower that was connected to it took one half hour because you were trying to navigate through such solid crowds you'd have to figure out i'm going to go this way it took a half hour just to walk from one side to the other to get to where our booth was and i did not enjoy other than the company and the fact that every all sorts of illustrators and and people in the industry came to that booth and I got to know a lot of people, and it turned into a lot of professional opportunities too, some important ones for me. Yeah. But it's uh, we gave up the booth because it was kind of too much hassle. And uh, we recognized if we give up this booth, we'll never get it again. Four years. Four years, yeah. So what were you doing at the booth? Were you selling your work, your prints? Justin was you selling just original artwork. Uh, Vance uh, was, I don't remember, I think he was selling sketchbooks. No, I, I wasn't really doing anything. It's you just, weren't doing hey, anything? I was just being the resident dad. Were you dad. just networking? Yeah, I was just Okay, uh, well that's a, that's a big one. That's what it was. It was, it was, it was networking. Okay. So it was one of those things. It was a great experience, but it was also hellish. Yeah. Because the logistics at the Comic-Con are the reason why when you start telling t Comic-Con stories, they they tend to go for how the logistics can create trouble. Let me tell one, and then I'll drop the rest of them. Okay. We were in our car preparing to go into the Comic-Con, and we got locked in the gridlock of downtown San Diego traffic, and we were stuck in that gridlock with the inability to get out of it for over two hours, and we had a booth waiting, so we had to have somebody stay with the car and somebody walk to the Comic-Con so there'd be somebody at the booth. And that was one out of about a dozen of the logistical problems that would happen so that the whole thing becomes a swirl of how you're going to deal with uh, having 120 some thousand people descend on one area. Yeah. Enough whining. Enough. If I don't whine, I don't know what to do. <laughs> 
Well, back to the networking thing. To me, <laughs> no, seriously though. To me, the best thing I've gotten out of all the conventions, including Lightbox, and well, and oh, any of the two that I've been to, <laughs> including the one half of um, a veteran. Yeah, well, I've been to Comic Con like twelve times. That's good. That's a yeah. history. Yeah. Yeah, maybe more. Maybe fifteen. Huh? The best thing I've gotten from all from every year was the networking, mm-hmm. meeting people, making connections that led to, you know, doing things together. Like I had a booth this year at Lightbox, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah, we sold some stuff, but I think meeting some some people is better. Is like we went to some dinners and some parties. Yeah. And I think that's going to lead to better things than the few sales that we made at the booth. Indeed. Yeah. It used to be for my students, especially pre-internet, that almost everybody who went into entertainment art, their career began at Comic-Con. Not everybody, but most of them. Because you had under one roof everybody involved and entertainment art, the whole industry, is all under one roof. Mm-hmm. So you would go there to not just a network, net network includes showing your portfolio, but even if you didn't show your portfolio, you're meeting people. And nobody is more than a couple degrees removed from the people who will be hiring you or who will be your work peers. But also showing portfolios, not officially, but just offhand showing portfolios was, was where a lot of that kind of stuff happened. Yeah. Do you think showing portfolios often leads to actually getting jobs or that's just like a really good way of getting feedback is to go show it to the people who are hiring? I have a controversial opinion. Perfect. Oh, you're just aching for it. Yes. I have seen a lot of students show their portfolio at conventions and I have opinions about it. Yeah. One is... You can get some terrible feedback from people who are hired to look at your portfolio and they don't know what they're doing and they even have a checklist. Does this work have a focal point? And my student who was showing animation backgrounds, which are deliberately designed not to have a focal point, means that I lost points with this hired hand who's, oh, no, I'm sorry, this stuff doesn't fit our criteria. That's the kind of thing that goes on when you've got a million people wanting to show their portfolio and a 100 people have to be hired to look at the work. It isn't necessarily, it just isn't the best place to show a portfolio. But there is another reason, and that is that at the Comic-Con or any convention, if you're a person who has to look at portfolios, you are exhausted from looking at portfolios. And so when anybody says, can I show you my portfolio, they may be nice. They may say, sure, but inside they're saying, I wish you would just go away and leave me alone. I'm so tired of looking at portfolios. That is not the best circumstance to show your portfolio. So I think it's better to go there and meet people who might want to look at your portfolio sometime next week or in the coming month. That's my opinion. Okay. Whenever I was at my booth at Lightbox, it became a time for me to look at people's portfolios Mm -hmm. and like I don't even really hire artists that much Mm -hmm. right like I'm not a an art director Mm -hmm. at a gaming studio that's constantly looking at portfolios and resumes and deciding what they need 
like I'll hire one artist in, in a year based on your recommendation and that's it. <laughs> I'm not looking at many portfolios, but, um, and they still come to me to ask their advice about stuff that's not even related to like figure drawing. It's like, it's anime, it's like an animation portfolio. I'm like, you, do you know I'm not an animator, right? <laughs> but they want they, feedback, They right? do, they want feedback, but it like, yeah, it is, I know what you're talking about. After like three, I'm just like, oh no, everybody saw yeah, yeah. that I just did a portfolio review and then they bring theirs the next day. And then it's just a lot, there was a line of port for people to do portfolio yeah. reviews in my booth. So there's two reasons people want portfolio, I uh, want to show portfolios. They yeah. want feedback on their work. They're not looking for a job. They want they want you to be a teacher at the, yeah. at, the at the convention. Most that were asking me wanted me to because they know I'm not like actually going to hire them. Yeah, they just wanted my feedback. And my response to that is the best place to get that feedback is in a classroom where it's geared at. But I saying I've got to qualify this. Right. I've got to qualify this because some of the best feedback that I've given students and some students have told me how important that was feedback was happened at a convention floor. Really? And yes. And let me tell you one reason why it happens. Because when you are in school with a group of students, groups of students in classes that see you every week, have you ever heard that an expert is anyone who comes from over 50 miles away or 500 <laughs> miles away? That a prophet is not appreciated, or appreciated, but not in their own hometown. Yeah, there is something about that when your teacher gives it to you, okay. Yeah. But when people travel and they are meeting you and they care about your opinion and then you give it to them, they are ready for it. It means so much to them. And I, I can see it sometimes that this is an, an emotional experience and that that's meaningful. And then they will go off and they have gotten enough as they've come to the mountaintop to go down into the world and work it out for the next thousand hours or so. So having yeah. said that, there is a reason why people want feedback is that they might have a hard time getting it elsewhere. But you are probably showing your portfolio or your work that you want feedback on to someone who's exhausted yeah. and, and tired of doing it. The second one is for a job. That happens, right. yeah, that happens a lot too. Mm -hmm. That's how, how careers got started. Cutter Hayes, um, I was at his booth at Comic-Con and he was telling me the story of how he got his job. Cutter would stay at Mobius's booth or like near Mobius's booth just like all the time, just kind of like watching him draw for years. Eventually he got the courage to actually show him his portfolio. And um, Mobius told him, yeah, you're ready. Go right there and ask for a job. Mm -hmm. So he walked across the walkway to the mm -hmm. booth right across and I forgot what studio it was, but he just like, yeah, Mobius just asked, told me to go get a job with you. And the guy looks over and Mobius is like, you know, puts his yeah. thumb up and he's like, all right. And he looks at his portfolio and then I guess he got the job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a, there's a thousand, but it took him years and years and years yeah, of just a thousand like stories like that though, getting better that you showed your work to somebody or you got a referral there and you made the connection. I got work from the Comic-Con. I learned something about showing my portfolio because I used to go there in the, in the eighties and nineties to show my portfolio. And I learned something about the exhaustion thing is that when you see someone who is a potential hirer, I would go to every booth to figure out who hires illustrators here and look before I'd ask. So I wouldn't ask something that was obvious. And then when I'd see the person that might be the person or that was the person, I would look at them and meet their eye and say, is it okay to show you my portfolio? 
And one of the most fruitful ones was a guy who he could tell that I respected the fact that he didn't want to look at my portfolio. And he said, sure, and gave me an opportunity. But again, it was one of those things that it was, there's you're kind of feeling out whether this is someone who it would be better just to come back another time. Or but you, you could it. tell that he, he said, sure, and meant like, I guess. He, but he, he said it sure with some positivity because he recognized that I was recognizing his exhaustion. Okay. So it was one of those, a lot of subtext going on just in a few words. Uh, and that's the thing to do. I, my, I recommend to my students this. Uh, show your portfolio at the Comic-Con later rather than sooner. Why? Partly, or to, at any convention, because you can't make a second first impression. And you want to come in there, as I have seen people come in there, where they show such knockout work that people say, if you can get them to say, where have you been? That was a good portfolio showing. That you take two, three, four years before you're going to debut. Oh, later in your... L later in, in your student in your student. Yes. I thought you meant like later in the weekend or something. Like go on Sunday night. Oh, no. There's a, okay. like they're exhausted even more. <laughs> I'm, I'm, full of, I'm full of knowledge about how to do cons. Let me tell you, the best times to make your most important meetings are at the beginning of the, yeah. the, the pre preview night or the beginning of Thursday because people are fresh. Yeah. And then the other time, oddly, is the very end of it. They're excited to go home. Everybody like, is packed up because you, energy. you tend to remember the first conversation and the last conversation that you had at a convention. Oh, interesting. And so, and again, yes, I, I can give examples of that, but I won't. I mean, it's just that those are two crucial times. But you're at the end, everybody is eager to go home. But they also, now it's over. You know, we're going to have dinner, we're going to enjoy it. So, Timing at these things is a big deal. Well, we both went to Lightbox. We did. You were there for one day, right? I was there for two days. Oh, you were there for yeah. two days? Yeah. Which days? Uh, Saturday and Sunday. I didn't know you were there on Sunday. Yeah, you saw me. Well, because I never saw you at Lightbox until the mean? end of the day on Saturday. And then the yeah, end of the I day. Didn't see you on uh, yeah, we, we were both trying to find each other, but we had a hard time. Huh. We did eventually find each other. I got to introduce you to Claire Howlett. Yeah. And some other people too. Yeah, so, I met a lot of people. And it was all a blur to you? It is all a blur. I did three panels and they were all really good. Uh -huh. I think the one we did at Comic-Con really sucked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, it, it was my first panel ever. Uh -huh. It was your like 75th panel, right? <laughs> Something like that. I, I lost count, but no. Yeah. No, but really, haven't you? Don't you yeah, do like I, three I, I, a I year? Did a whole bunch of panels there from 2004 to 2012. Okay. I thought so. you were doing them sooner or earlier than 2004. Yeah. Anyway, um, it was my first one, and I think we just didn't have the wrong approach to it. We had no visuals. But the ones that I did at um, Lightbox were great, I think. They went really well. But really, the biggest thing that I think I, I enjoyed there was meeting everyone. It was weird how many more people actually knew me at Lightbox versus Comic-Con. It was like everyone at Lightbox is an artist who watches the Draftsman show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was really weird. And at Comic-Con is like everyone's just there because they like movies. That's one so of the things that crazy. has made Comic-Con no longer the hub of how employment mm -hmm. happens is that when you go to show your work there or to network there, there are 
20,000 people under that roof who are the people who are in the industry, and then there are 100,000 people who are not. They are fans. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as Animation Expo came in and other ones that are industry, they're not geared toward fans. They're geared toward people who are either in the industry, were in the industry, or want to be in the industry. Then you're starting to have a much more concentrated attendance. Yeah. It's better you, what, what was your experience with that? The, were you did you have a different experience at Lightbox than at Comic Con or was was it pretty much what Comic Con was before? Yeah, I I don't go to Comic Con. I, I go there as a family reunion. I don't go there seeking work. I'm not going to any right. of these places seeking work. It's just to to hang out. And mm-hmm. Comic Con has lots of logistical challenges, but it's where most. I mean, a long history of teaching. So many of my students are in the profession. It's a place to hang out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lightbox was more concentrated. I really enjoyed it, and I, I made a uh, I made a note when at one year at Animation Expo, how many of my former students am I going to see this weekend? And I just I made a note. All of them. It was a hundred and sixty. Wait, what? At Lightbox? Uh, no, no. This was uh, when I didn't I didn't make a note at Lightbox. Oh, okay. But at, years ago at, at Animation Expo, a hundred and sixty of former 60. students. Hundred and sixty. Oh, wow. Of former students that were there as professionals, as exhibitors, as uh, people who might uh, be my, still be my students. So you get the idea Jesus. that my, my whole purpose for doing this is that after all the logistical challenges where I go to Comic-Con and say, why am I doing this? As soon as you get in and it's preview night, it's like, this is why I'm doing this. This is the closest you get to this reunion. Uh, with all mm-hmm. of these people in one place. I got to introduce you to Bernie Wrightson on on you preview did. night that time. That was, what, two or three years ago? Yeah, three or four years ago. Three or four years ago. Yeah. But yeah, that's where it happened. I said, you know, it's like everybody's there and I want you to meet this person, I want you to meet this person. So that's, that's what's It's crazy about. how if you didn't introduce me, I wouldn't have known that was him just walking by. Mm-hmm. And it was like no one was there. It was just him at his, you know... Kind yeah. of just like sitting there talking to a friend. Yeah. And no one knows that this guy sitting there is Bernie Wrightson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, networking. That's what it's about. It's there. You're, you're all coming together yeah. to see what kind of mutual benefit can mm-hmm. come of this. Yeah. There are people, though, that make conventions their business. Mm-hmm. It's like the way they actually make money. That's not going to happen with you. No. No. <laughs> no. Two tell, tell us why. Is why is that not going to happen exhausting. with you? It's exhausting. It is. It is exhausting. I got sick after Lightbox. Like, literally, I, like I had fever. There's a term and, for it. It's uh, called the con crud. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's because you are shaking hands and breathing oh, yeah. alongside so many people that you don't know what you got. <laughs> you don't know what you got. Yeah. But also, I lost my voice on the first day. Mm-hmm. And... Because I was just talking nonstop to people. Mm-hmm. And it's loud, so you have to speak very loud for them to hear you. And so, by the, yeah, by the end of the day, I lost my voice. But yeah, I got some hauls. I got some throat tea. Mm-hmm. Just had a bunch of herbs and stuff. And I was just popping. And that's while hauls. you were there. It's while I was there. And I, just, I constantly had to watch my voice and just, I ate like half a bag of those hauls. Because I had panels still after that that I had to talk at, so I wouldn't. That's why I wouldn't do more than a few a year because it's just so exhausting. And I don't get to create. 
the whole reason I'm an artist and, and I have a business because I like to create things and make things happen. Being at a convention is more of like where you present what you have mm-hmm. and you meet people. That's not why I do it. It's a so, different energy for most people. Is. Although I've known a few people who are introverts or who just want to not turn off their productivity and they sit in the booth and they paint and they create. And That's true. I tried drawing mm-hmm. at my booth. I was able to draw, I think, a total of like 15 minutes the whole, the whole weekend mm-hmm. because people would come by and show me their portfolios. How am I, how am I supposed to draw if I'm doing portfolio reviews? Mm-hmm. And there's a line. Yeah. So this so, this brings up a few things. What are conventions good for? Yeah. Uh, what what is convention etiquette? Yeah. Uh, that when somebody's concentrating wow. on something, uh, that not to interrupt them, People but then would that means ask, you. But of course, I I say yes. Yeah. So what is the etiquette then? Like ask first, or or just don't ask. Um, <laughs> I think you just it's like people that behind the booth expect to be talking to people all day so it's fine yeah it's like if you don't want to talk to people why are you even there that's right alan moore went to a comic-con and decided never to go again okay because he just did he couldn't stand it he doesn't hear out of one ear and i think he doesn't see out of one eye and so it's you know he's uh just socially handicapped that way and then he goes there he's a big guy he's a celebrity and it just uh, it drove him into a a frenzy and so he never never returned there are some people whose personality is not fit for doing that kind of thing. I ha- I've had a really hard time with the chaos of it because you know how much I like order and I like a conversation to have a beginning and a middle and an end. <laughs> and it just not gonna happen yeah. when there's interruption after interruption after interruption after interruption. So I've learned that when you go there, figure it's you are going to be a pinball and you're going to be bouncing all around and sometimes there'll be some bright flashes of light and sometimes it'll just be a dud but everything's going to get interrupted and it just has to be embraced in advance yeah and that it's a mode well that fits my personality better yeah and yet you're the one that's complaining about that particular aspect well no but i mean i have add oh kind of it's like eight you should be i'm all over the place you should be a con rat man no I like to create. The most I ever but, did, I did five cons in one year, about 2013. It was good. Whoa. It was uh, WonderCon, Comic-Con, uh, there was the uh, Kansas City Spectrum Animation Expo, and there's another one that's slipping my mind right now. But uh, I also realized that you do five cons, and you're flying to some of these. Mm-hmm. So you're making arrangements, and they do increase income but they don't necessarily increase income this week or this month. And so when you do oh. that over a year, you huh. recognize I've spent a lot of energy and money on going out and networking and socializing. What are you talking about? They increase income, but not this week or this month. Because it doesn't mean that you're gonna, that meeting with people that week or that oh, month is going it's to the bring networking, in a, in a, it's the, the networking, not the selling. Yeah, because yeah. The, the thing that you, you know, the, one of the best ways to market yourself at the Comic-Con is or I shouldn't I'm so used to saying the comic-con because that's the one I've already known but in any of these conventions at any con I tell students that have never been to a con before because they are often so discouraged when they go there and they see all of these professional artists how will I ever be able to do this just enjoy it that's the most important thing to do go there enjoy it make friends 
and observe. If you are an artist, if you're a creative person, you will probably observe things. You will observe how exhausted that person looks and how that student there is trying to get them to give a <laughs> portfolio and you make a little note. I don't want to be that person. You can also look around at every booth and every person there and say, why are they here? They aren't here to give money. They're here to make money. And therefore, they're looking for what? Customers. But I'm here to make money too. Which ones of these people need people that uh, need someone who can do what I offer? And you, if you didn't ever talk to anybody, but just walked around and observed that way, you were walking around in one of the most concentrated marketplaces for your interest uh, for, uh, that, you could, that you could go to. So that's another thing. Just go there, uh, enjoy it, learn and observe. And if you can, make friends. And one of the best things to do is make friends with other people who are at your level of pre-entry to the industry because they're in the same condition as you. Got some of them meeting, where do you go to school? What are you doing? How are you doing this? And, and you are making friends with someone at that level. And here's the big secret. Do this several years in a row so that you start to expect to see those people there. And that way you are establishing relationships that are more real, more personal, than when you know somebody by their avatar and you know their work, but it's not the same as when you actually have met them. That tends to make strings that connect more for where you're going with your career. Now, everything that I've said there, it's just, I'm trying to boil down what I would tell you if I had two or three minutes, you're going to go to a con, enjoy mm -hmm. it, look around and observe. It's a learning experience and make friends. I want to add to that. Keep notes. Take notes. There's so much that yeah. happens. Yeah every hour you meet someone and you you want to follow up with them later write it down just take your phone out start a little notepad say comic-con 2019 and start writing everything that you're you want to remember because by the end of that weekend you're gonna have a giant list and of course if you didn't write it down you're gonna forget many of them so um, for me taking notes throughout the weekend is huge it's it is a huge deal. And I have had so many times when somebody gave me a business card and I said, I'll remember this card and I'll remember your face. Yeah. And this has been <laughs> no. such an important conversation. This 25 has changed my cards life. later. Yeah. And when, <laughs> it, when it's all over, I can't remember what it is. But if yeah. I write on the card, oh, there's another thing about business cards. Most of your stuff you're doing is uh, electronic anyway. But if you do have a business card, make sure it's not glossy on both sides. Make sure it can be written on. Right. Yeah. And that way a person can make a little quick note, it's got your artwork on there and they'll go to your website and they'll know who you know in common. That's, that's something that's useful. But I've had times when I finished a con and I had a stack of business cards that was like that, you know, just in a mound. And I got to get to them. I've got to get to them. I got to get to them. And after two or three years of them sitting there, I finally got to them. I didn't remember anything about them. Oh, right. Yeah. Because there's another thing is if you're going to do the convention responsibly, you will collect other people's information, but you will also get it into your database and, and organize it. Yeah. And follow up with people. Even if it, you don't think it's going to lead to anything, just write them an email and say, thank you. It was nice meeting you. We are helping our <laughs> students yeah. who are watching this podcast. We're enriching their lives. I have one story re related to etiquette. Go. 
<laughs> it was funny. This was funny because they're okay. So I have a line. People want to do portfolio reviews, right? There's I don't know, probably like five people in line. This really big dude, he's Russian. He comes up and he's you know you know russian people no tell me <laughs> oh let me start <laughs> i know a couple russian people but well there's some that you know loud they you know, it can be rude. i didn't know that okay and it's okay for me to say this because you're russian kind of i'm ukrainian i'm the enemy no it's close enough <laughs> no i i i grew up in, in the you know russian community okay my parents always had russian people over and stuff so it's yeah. okay. I know Russian people and it's okay. But so he he just like I'm I'm in the middle of a conversation. I'm actually talking to someone, giving her advice, and mm. he just starts talking very loud to me in Ukrainian. He's not even Ukrainian, right? He's Russian, but he just starts talking to me in Ukrainian, thinking I know Ukrainian, and I'm super confused because I don't speak Ukrainian. And I'm just like, uh what? And I'm like, I don't know if I should give this guy attention because He's like cutting in line. And so, so then he just starts talking English like, what, do you not speak Ukrainian? And then I'm like, no, I don't. So he starts talking to me in Russian. And he says like, yeah, so I was just walking by. I saw your work. Eh. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell, you, you jerk? Like, this is how you cut in line? You have to <laughs> like, what, what is this? <laughs> He just had to walk by and tell me my work was eh. <laughs> he wanted to let you know you weren't as special as you think you are. Yeah. He had to put but you in your place. To him, it, it felt, I think he felt like this was just totally normally just walking by, making comments to people. Like, I don't know. That was funny. After he it left, is. everyone's like, what? Yeah. They didn't understand the, what, what he said, but just the fact that he was like, his presence was very weird. Yeah. And he oh, was wearing like sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to the airport, you'll find all sorts of different people types to do sketches and develop characters from them. Mm -hmm. And the same kind of thing happens at a convention. We are yeah. all characters. Yeah. People watching at conventions is great. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, a etiquette story. This is a... Mm, like a bad etiquette story like mine? It's, it's a, a, a mistake I made oh. and that I'm going to ask... probably not that bad. Well, let me tell you, because sometimes when you're in a classroom with students, if you're a teacher, you're in a classroom with students and you know that student and you know their name and you've had two semesters with them and you prize them. I'm thinking of a specific student. In fact, I prize this student so much that when I tell the story of that semester, this is a student who brought all this good energy in. And then I was standing in a lobby at the Burbank Marriott a few years ago and it was my turn to introduce this student to some very well-known artists, heroes and sheroes of this person's life. And I went blank on my student's name. <laughs> and I thought, I can't stand here and stammer. Welcome to my life, Marshall. And I, I, mentioned, I took a guess and it was wrong. And I, the moment it came out of my, lie, my, my, my mouth, I knew it was wrong. And to see her face drop and then have to correct me and then make the introduction. And then I spent the next 20 minutes doing damage control. <laughs> That's hilarious. That you, who I prize so much, I, in, the, in a different context, I went blank. 
Did you go home and cry in the shower? I didn't cry over it, but I'm still thinking about it five years later. Yeah. Because it was What's one her of name? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you don't remember. I remember it. And and she's forgiven for me for it, I'm sure, because yeah. I've sensed that. But here's what I want to recommend to keep that from happening. Oh, you have I've, a trick? I've learned to do this. When I see anyone, unless there's somebody I, uh, that I, there's no question they're going to know my name. Yeah. I wouldn't have to do this with you. Of course. But if there's, if there's any doubt at all, to immediately say, good to see you, Marshall. And to let them know what the name was in case they couldn't remember it. And if you get in the habit of there's any question that this person might not remember a name, it's a way of helping them save face. It's a way of extending grace to the fact that this happens. It happens to everybody. Nobody remembers everybody's name at every time. And so that is also, well, here's something that's crazy. I'm whining again. You get these comic con, you get these badges and they have your name on one side. Yeah, but it's always on the... It's always on the other side. It's and then if you, if you turn the flipping thing around, it'll still find a way to go the other way. And I thought, yeah. how come somebody doesn't do the simplest thing in the world, which they did both up sides. Idolize? Yeah, you can print it on both sides. That way you never have that problem again. It's, it's yeah. just too much work. It, it makes sense. They print on both sides. I know. So... It ought to be. Uh, okay, so we, you've, we've, done, we've gone to the Comic-Con a number of times yeah. together. And then uh, we kind of saw each other at Lightbox. Yeah. And then you've got CTN later. No. You don't no, have I CTN. I canceled CTN. Are you going to tell <laughs> us about that? Um, briefly. Give us the dirt. It's, there's tension. Well, no. I canceled it. There were some planning problems. So I made a decision to just not go. Okay. Well, so yeah. Sorry to hear Logistical that. Logistical things. Got any other conventions this year? <laughs> no. I think I'm just going to stick to Comic-Con and Lightbox. Okay. Yeah. And Lightbox is say. the professional one. Huh? And Comic-Con is the fan one. I would say Lightbox is more of art. Mm hmm And Comic-Con is more pop culture. You could be a fan and go to either one. Yeah. It's just that I think the, the focus is different of mm -hmm. what is being presented there. But the fans at Lightbox are fans of Draftsman and you, and which means that they are entering the industry or hoping to, or they're, they're trying Probably, to get their yeah, game up as artists. They're usually also artists. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's more people that are actually trying to pursue this as work eventually. Whereas Comic-Con, they're probably just going for entertainment. That's one reason why my students who have exhibited at some of the industry trade shows to sell their sketchbooks, to sell their art, to sell their uh, where, things that they print, often don't do as well as when they go to WonderCon or Comic-Con. WonderCon's a smaller version of, of Comic-Con, but it's great. It's like Comic-Con used to be. It's still a big convention, but it's way less crowded. Mm -hmm. And those are fans. Those are people coming, they want to buy stuff. Where you're going to an industry show, most of these people are not people who necessarily want to buy stuff, but it's still good to be there because when you have something printed that you take to a convention and you sell it or give it to somebody, then they have got that in their life and they may spend hours with it. If it's a story, I've had students who started their career because they printed a zine. What's a zine? And a zine is a little graphic novel or a little magazine. It's something oh. you print. It's a mini magazine? It's a mini magazine that you print easily. 
you just you come up you just come up with great ideas of your art or your comic or whatever you print it it's black and white you give it to people they even have a zine fest now at anaheim convention wow. center that some of my students went to and sold stuff and aren't zines usually like fandom related like a zine for a show or or a comic it might be i don't know that much about it this is where the ad should fit let's stick in an ad here we're back Woo. voicemail it's your favorite part of the show, Mark. I like it because it's just the right balance of chaos. I don't know what's going to be on that voicemail. Unpredictability Again, and order. It's you one single that question. You don't know almost makes me think that you've heard this before. <laughs> I have never heard these voicemails before. Why do you have to say you... that you've never heard it? It makes me question if you're being sarcastic. Because you, didn't you say that it was my favorite part? Yes. And so I was trying to qualify why it's my favorite part. It's a perfect Marshall balance. doesn't have a sarcastic part. I know. I, I, I know. I, I was coming across as sarcastic when I was being sincere. It's almost no. sarcastic. It's like, I've never heard these before. I haven't. <laughs> it's like, well, wait, have you? <laughs> Um, this Everything one, he says is a lie. This one was a common question after the uh, learning to draw on the right side of the brain episode. Oh, okay. Well, boys, this could get us in trouble. <laughs> you can't you in trouble. Hi, my name is Eric from Norfolk, Virginia, and I really enjoyed the episode um, drawing on both sides of the brain when you started arguing, debating about drawing from the imagination. I have gotten back into my into drawing in my 30s over the last um, three years, and I, much like Marshall, have always drawn from photos. And my entire goal with getting back into this is to draw from the imagination. And I would love to hear an episode or a discussion dedicated to drawing from the imagination. What the process is, so the long-term process of what you should be learning and trying to get to, to get out of just drawing from photographs, basically. Um, any help there would be appreciated. Thanks. Love the show. I noticed on the comments of the both sides of the brain, one person after another say, elaborate, elaborate, elaborate. And yeah, but this is going to be, elaborating might take too long. I don't know. Do you want to do this one? Uh this is the thing if you want to know how to draw from the imagination how about if you like just draw. study yeah study study from the proko figure drawing course and the anatomy course study the uh the books that i've recommended on my website i've got those those uh suggestions in the draftsmanship portion uh it's a main theme of my teaching when i teach drawing it's almost always about drawing from imagination uh and andrew loomis's stuff and Listen to what Kim Jung-gi says about it when he was at Art Institute Inland Empire in 2014. There's a 12-minute segment in there where he talks about the mechanics of what you do. It's We can put the time signature on there so people will know where to go for that. I mean, the resources for drawing from imagination when I was seeking them weren't there. or they, they Take it back. They were there. But I didn't know how to find them mm -hmm. because there were so many books that didn't teach it. Yeah. And... Now there's no problem finding those, and it's a major theme in drawing with me, and it's a major theme in drawing with you. You've qualified it more than once in your not not nearly as much as with you and other people. Most of my assignments are here's some photos, here's some reference. Now study it, figure out what's under the surface of the skin. 
So you're not just copying, you are analyzing, but you're you're not drawing from imagination. You are using reference. Um, I always have to remind people to not copy and and be deliberate about what you're doing here. But still, it's different from drawing from imagination. Okay, then right? should I try a one minute with a grace period of 50 seconds? <laughs> a less than two minute uh, crash course on drawing from imagination? Go ahead, let's do it. There are two things. One is you have to have something in your imagination to draw. Who doesn't have any, something in their imagination? Some people said, I don't have anything in my imagination. That's but what they even say, but come on. There's even a condition where you don't envision. And somebody somebody pointed that out and said, it's all okay. You know, even though you aren't taking this into account that we can't, we don't have a mind's eye. Um, the first thing you do, you can segue out however you want, is to have something in your imagination. That means you say, I really don't want to just observe. I've got ideas that I want to put out on the paper. That's one aspect of it. The technical aspect of it is that you learn to draw. As Windsor McKay, who drew out of imagination amazingly, you learn to draw the block, the cylinder, the cone, the sphere and the ovoid, it's just a mashed sphere, and you learn to draw these in any position and tumble them around and know how to put the cross contours around them, and then you learn to simply build up more complex forms from that, and then you have the key to all drawing out of imagination. That's the way every person who has done it professionally has learned how to do it. Turn, turn it into something that can be drawn. You can't learn how to draw a hand because it's too complex, but you can learn how to draw a cigarette pack and three train cars going over the cliff and a <laughs> drop leaf table and the perspective of it. And you can put that together and you've got now the technical foundation yeah. for being able to invent a hand. That's what I teach. That's what you do teach. Yes. Okay. You're talking about construction. Construction. Yes. I think when people say drawing from imagination, I think the vision most people have of someone drawing from imagination is you got like you got a pen or any you know, some kind of ink and you don't construct you draw the final lines from your from your first try and your your perfect ideas are just spilling out you're and not seeing themselves as kim jong-gi yes they're thinking oh imagine drawing from imagination yeah i have to be kim jong-gi but they're not thinking i can do layers and i can I can develop something, one drawing into oh, another drawing. Okay. I can start with a thumbnail I and then you. I can do a bigger one. And then I can say, oh, I don't like that pose. I can try another one. And then developing something totally different out of hours and hours of just preliminary work. I don't think people see that as drawing from imagination, even though I it totally it. is. It is. That's but where people I, don't People think that I need those. to draw finished and spontaneously. Yes. Well, like how you did this horse. People yeah. would say, oh, that's drawing from imagination because you you just kind of like whooped it out. There's no construction lines underneath. You just got a pen and you just say, whoop, there's a horse. Uh, and people have been giving uh, feedback that they don't like the horse. I and, like the uh, horse, yeah, Marshall. Yeah. But the horse that was not, I was unretouched too. That's another thing. I didn't put in Photoshop and it was, so it was a little yeah. breakthrough. But Even if you did, that's fine. That's You're the what, one That's what I'm it. doing now is a figure. You start with the stuff that's spontaneous and then go in there and tweak it because we've got the tools to do it. But we're off but the But you topic. say that as if it would have been so wrong of you to like 
go in Photoshop and tweak your drawing. It's like, like that's so that's totally fine. Is tracing cheating? <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, you fixed your own drawing. Yeah, yeah. What? It's totally fine. But there is there's <laughs> yeah. something emotionally that says, hey, I got it pretty good without doing any tweaking yeah, that makes you feel like you, you made a breakthrough. Why would care about being able to? Shouldn't need to care you about You shouldn't. Yeah. You don't have to be Kim jong It's imposter syndrome. You can do one. That sucks. Yeah. Try another one. Put a piece of tracing paper over it. Fix some more mistakes. Do another one. Now, I know yeah. I got cranky there. You did? I got cranky. But I think I got cranky. I got cranky we because... We both cranked it out. Here's why I got cranky. <laughs> Because it's a cranky competition. I, I will be around students whom I, they know that I do stuff with you. They know about the Proco course. I tell them, this is the best anatomy course that you're going to find online. And then I'll say that and I'll say it again. And then they'll say, you know, I really feel like I need to learn anatomy. I say, good, good. You should learn anatomy. I don't okay. know where to go. <laughs> it's like I just told you. Well, we've had this conversation, and it's really that you just need to go there and start working on it. But you've right. got there's no shortage. They ignore of the work. Yeah, that has to be done before you can execute. Yeah, getting to the Kim Jong Yi stage is like level ten, mm -hmm. and you don't ever even really have to. You don't get even to have to get to 10. that stage, That's, right? It's totally fine not to be there. He's just setting a reference standard. But Windsor McKay set that reference standard. There is film of mm. Windsor McKay drawing. And he does it without any preliminary work. But he actually, he did do preliminary work. But I think in some of the film of him, he's showing off that I can just go right around here and get all of these contours. That is not the way you learn to draw out of imagination. Nope. That is the final stage of it. That's like expecting that, how do you pick up an instrument and just do an arpeggio and jam <laughs> Yeah. You start where you learn what an arpeggio is. You start about to learn about the specifics that are going to all come out in this glorious burp. Glenn Vilpu used to talk about that, that quick sketching is not, as people think, quick sketching is an easy kind of sloppy sketching. He made the point that quick sketching is the advanced kind that happens after you've done the slow motion steps to get it. Glenn, words of wisdom. Eric, I apologize that I'm getting cranky. But it did seem it's the old after age. that both sides of the brain thing and read one person after another asking a question that it's like, I remember when we had an artist in residence whom I was hosting and the different cl uh, classes would come in to see the artist in residence. The first thing they'd say is, who are your major influences? And the artist would answer that and we'd elaborate on it. And then that class would leave and another couple would come in. <laughs> who are your major influences? Who's who influenced you? All day long, he had to answer the same question because it was always a new audience. <laughs> so, could have been more yeah. gracious. Cool. All right. Marshall, yeah? I'm excited for this next segment. Oh, I sure am too. Oh, what man. is it? I'm scared. All right, guys. We're not doing a what's your thing today. We aren't? <laughs> You know this. I know. <laughs> this is why I don't trust you when you say, I've never heard these questions before. Because <laughs> you then follow up with things like that. The boy who cried wolf. Exactly. We are doing a new segment, or we're trying one out for season two. We're mm -hmm. going to test it out now, but we're going to hopefully, if it works, we're going to do it every episode in season two. It's Christian's Crazy Questions. Christian's Crazy Questions? Yes. Christian. Christian Knee. Interned with me, and then he actually worked for a few months. Uh -huh. um, now and then he moved to London. No, Cambridge, right? Yeah, UK, Cambridge. Yeah. Um, just like a week ago, mm -hmm. and while he was here, every single day he would ask us 
crazy questions. Okay. Like just really stupid things. Some are inappropriate to repeat, but some are just like really funny. And then some are like really make you think. Okay. Like I'll just, I'm going to, we're going to call him and he's going to ask us a crazy oh, question. Really? That we're going to have his voice. Yes. And so I haven't heard. And this is going to be live. Yeah. We're going to call him. Okay. Yeah. He's ready. I think, right. I hope he's, I hope he picks <laughs> I up. I hope he's sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's in the UK right now and he's like, what time is it there? I think he's still Will in you New York. He's still in New York. Up? Okay. How do you do this? Put he'll, he'll put it up to, or, okay. or I could just put it up to mine as well here. This is a better microphone. I'll yeah. do it here. Okay. I'm going to call him now. Ooh, questions people, there's gonna be people in the comments that are like what the hell are you guys doing I hated the what's your thing but I hate this even more <laughs> there will be that and if, if we get oh, enough yeah. of them they'll cure us of this we're, we'll respond we'll say no we aren't gonna do Christian's crazy questions uh, we're if, gonna if do everybody Christian's hates crazy it. questions this is fun let me have fun <laughs> yeah this lightens us up from a little too much martial seriousness is it a good volume ladies and gentlemen Christian knee. <laughs> Hello? Hey. Hey, Christian. Hey, Stan. You're live. Oh, cool. Neat. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any questions ready for us? I do. I do. <laughs> this almost uh, sounds like a recording. <laughs> I do. It's like a, a sound box, soundboard. <laughs> okay, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's totally not a recording. <laughs> is is, is uh, Marshall there? Yes. I'm here, Christian. Hey, Marshall. Good to hear your um, voice again. It's good to hear your voice too. We should reminisce, so, but there's not time. We're live uh, here. We're live. Well, We're not I have, live. I have a very important question then. Um, so you either have to yell everything you say or rhyme everything you say. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. I like that question. That's, I, that's so easy for me to answer. You either have to rhyme or yell. I would say I would I would rhyme everything I say. Um, well, part of the caveat is that you, <laughs> See? It, 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 it's not it's not a genie wish. You actually have to think of the rhymes. So it, 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 you it's, have to it's yes, a, yeah, I get it. it. You have yeah, to put effort yeah. into rhyming everything. What happens right. if you don't rhyme? Um, if you, you fail, you, uh, you you get punched in the stomach. Oh. <laughs> Does the physical damage actually happen when you get punched in the stomach? No, 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 it doesn't. So it's I, just you only feel the pain of the punch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, because I feel like if I got punched in the stomach every time I fail to rhyme, I would be punched in the stomach many times per day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you would, you would die much sooner. Yeah, I don't know. Yelling, I feel like I'd lose my voice and I wouldn't be able to yell anymore. And then, so that means I wouldn't be able to talk anymore. And then every uh, situation in life, get, it gets a lot more awkward like like weddings and funerals become a lot yeah more unpleasant because you have to yell and then when cooper goes to sleep at night i can't talk to <laughs> melissa at all because i have to <laughs> yeah. pretty much wake up cooper yeah yeah so i can't talk good insights yeah. yeah what about you marshall i would rhyme you would rhyme too yeah i yell too much anyway because i'm usually speaking to groups and i'm talking too loud and afterwards I feel like I yelled at everybody and there is a mental condition where you rhyme constantly that happens to some people I knew a guy who had it for a while that everything he'd find a rhyme for everything and I have a little of that in me and it's actually if everybody has to get used to the eccentricity I'd speak a lot less and I think yeah. it could be it could be actually a 
positive challenge. It could be positive. And yeah. the worst that can happen is you're going to hit, get hit in the stomach, which is different than the head. And I feel like I could handle it. it means that I'm going to stay in shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to work on your yeah. physical health, too. Yeah. Like you got to get your abs going. So yeah, I, that's, many that was positive an, things. That was an easy one. What about you, Christian? Yeah. Um, I would probably yell everything I say because it hasn't been chosen yet. And it'd be, <laughs> it'd be a slightly funnier... <laughs> now, wait, 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 I, I, I didn't catch that. I would, I would yell everything because what? Because yeah. not we didn't choose that one yet. Oh, so he's yeah, balancing well, out the spectrum. He's like you, where yeah. he just like lies in order to just be different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Christian, I admire you for your crazy questions, but I don't admire <laughs> yeah. you for your choice to yell everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I was hoping we get a whole team. If the whole world yeah, we would, would all not be rhyming speak together without rhyming, just think what a beautiful world that could be I, I feel like you should be rhyming for the rest of this podcast <laughs> so could you do that i don't think we could last could you could you say once i think it you, would be over fast two minutes only <laughs> rhyming? all right yeah. thank you christian bye Stan. bye bye good luck marshall bye good hearing your voice bye he said good luck marshall he knows bye. i don't need luck <laughs> well <laughs> all right and this brings us to the close of another Draftsman podcast. I like this. You should talk like this the whole time. Instead of rhyming all the time, I could do the you announcer voice thing. Yeah. The uh, official announcer. Yes. Yes. Can you conclude this episode I'd saying like all the things this, we usually yeah, say? All the things that we're supposed to say <sighs> at the end of the Draftsman podcast. Be sure to give us the five-star rating on wherever you give the five-star ratings. Yeah. And the question... For the questions, let us know what are your greatest disasters at recent <laughs> or long past conventions. <laughs> yes. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.